Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. It is an honor and a privilege to once again have the opportunity to minister the Word to you today. So, will you turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, to Exodus chapter 33? you're taking notes, I'm calling this one today, this is, I guess, I don't know, I mean, you could call this a sermon or a message or whatever you want to call it, but this is called Walking as a Friend of God, is what I've entitled this. And normally, if you've heard me speak before, if you've seen me speak before, I I, I usually have slides, and oftentimes I'll even have, um, once I did code, I had like, uh, if you know what MATLAB is, I had some MATLAB code, you know, for all you nerds out there. But I don't have any of that today. This is something that's going to be a little bit different. Um, It's going to be a little bit more personal probably from the heart, so I just want to just kind of give you that disclaimer from the get-go. My story is I was born in a Christian home and had a, a very, you know, good, healthy Christian upbringing and was born again. I, I mean, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was four years old. Like, when I was four, I had an actual revelation of the fact that I needed a Savior. Like, it's crazy. Not everybody has that. Not everybody gets that. And I just, I had that home. I just had this revelation. And I could just, I remember a preacher came and was just preaching about Jesus and like our need for a Savior. And as a four-year-old kid, I, I knew my need for a Savior and I accepted Jesus. So that's awesome. But what was interesting is I didn't, not, I mean, nobody would have really t- could, could tell that Jesus had done anything in my life, honestly, until I was 24. So 20 years goes by. And even though I know I was saved, I was, I was born again. I mean, I, I received salvation. I wasn't living in a way, really, that would differentiate me much from, from an unsaved person or someone else who's not walking with Jesus. I mean, I, I made a lot of weird choices. I did a lot of weird stuff trying to kind of find my way. So I think that's one awesome message that our church has as a group is like, hey, Jesus is absolutely the answer to your problems, but not, he's not going to solve all your problems when you get saved. Does that make sense? Like he is the, the answer. Like our spirits are, are dead when we come to him. Like when we're born, we're not born with a perfect spirit. We're born into a sinful world and we need Jesus, the savior to save us from that, that sinful nature. So that's absolutely what we need. However, we're not, you know, nobody's selling this, this thing where it's like you receive Jesus and then suddenly tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to see unicorns and ponies and rainbows and, you know, all your problems are going to go away. And so it's like, how do you, how do you rectify that? How do you, how do you deal with that? And so what, what started for me was when I was 24, I had an encounter with the Lord. I got into a very deep depression and many of you know my story, but a very deep depression and I almost um, took my own life and it just was super gnarly and I wasn't going to church and I started going back to church at this time. And in this time, I... I really took another look at the Bible. Like I, I was in children's quizzing all these years. I was actually one of the top people in the region for children's quizzing. Like I was offered a scholarship to this, all this crazy stuff for, for my scores in children's quizzing. It's this whole thing in the Nazarene church and you, you answer Bible trivia and you do like these tournaments. And so I was like this walking Bible. Like I knew all the answers. I had all the right things. I had the perfect scores. I had all the trophies from children's quizzing, right? But I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying when I say that? I didn't have a relationship with him. Very, very, very good thing to, um, it's, a, it's a very important distinction to make. I didn't have a relationship with him. It's really weird. How can you be saved and, and, and have your spirit completely change on the inside of you, but yet not have a relationship with God? It was really weird. So I wrestled with that for all these years. And so anyways, 24 years old and kind of came to the, my, the end of myself. And I started going back to church and I had an encounter with God. I had a physical, tangible encounter with him when I decided to, wave the white flag in my life. I said, you know what? I know I'm saved, but it's not 
for whatever reason, my life isn't going in a good direction. I'm going to yield everything I am to Jesus. I'm just going to yield everything. 100%. I said, I'm going to either go my own way and this thing is going to go down the toilet because that's, that's where I know it's going, or I'm going to give it to you 100%. And that's what I said. That's all I did. Just one little raising my hand in worship, one little act of surrender. And, and from that moment on, it changed my life. It's crazy. Like, it's honestly crazy what God, what God did. So I'm going to share some of those types of things today. But what I really want to talk about is this idea of before we get into this, I mean, I, we could talk the rest of the day on devotions and devotionals and how to hear from God. And in fact, I am going to say, what, do I have one here? I really think you should get this book. So a devotional book. It's about how to hear God's voice. I agree with almost everything the author says. <laughs> so he's a good guy. I know him well. He's, he's, he's me. All right. For those of you who don't know. But yeah, so I wrote this book and this, this is more of like, it's just really practical, like down to earth. Here's some ways that I've heard God's voice. Here's how you can hear God's voice for yourself. And I've heard really cool things from people that have read this book that are like, man, I've never heard God's voice before. After reading your book, I'm, I'm hearing God's voice. It's awesome, right? I'm not going there yet today. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna give you a precursor to this book. This is like the, the quick and easy, read it, go through it. And I really believe you can get some, some meat from it and some things that God will speak to you. But today I'm gonna to go underneath the surface. I'm gonna go a little bit deeper and we're gonna talk about what, it, what does it mean to be a friend of God? What does it mean to really dial down and go underneath the practice of reading the Bible every morning and you know, praying in tongues? What does that look like? Worship, you know, what, what are these things that we talk about as like these Christian practices and what's going on under the hood? So, all right, so there we go. That was, that was I mean, I could spend all day introing this thing, but we're gonna, we should probably get started. All right, so Exodus chapter 33. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, help me to, help me to share something helpful today. Lord, we just praise you and thank you that your Holy Spirit is here and that you are moving in this place, that you are speaking to us, Lord, um, through the words that I'm saying and through your word. We just receive your word with gladness today, with open hearts, that you are gonna speak to us, you're gonna make it um, real to us in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. All right, so in Exodus chapter 33, we have a really interesting exchange between a, a, a person, a man, and the Almighty God. This is really crazy. In Exodus chapter 33, in verse 11, this is actually the reason why this book is called Face to Face is because of this verse. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses. Okay, Moses, the, uh, the prophet, the leader of God's people, Israel. He was, uh, they had just come out of, the, of Egypt, of slavery, and they were moving into the promised land. And it said, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he, talking about Moses, would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I think that's very interesting that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I remember seeing that for the first time and I said, I want to be a friend of God. How do, how do I do that? You know, how, how can I get to the point where I can be a friend, where God can speak to me as a friend? You know? And, uh, and so look at this here. This is actually, this is really funny to me. If you keep going down uh, to verse 13, Moses says, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. I want you to notice what the, the importance that Moses places on the presence and the person of God, not just him as an almighty God, but him as a person. Look at this next verse. And God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Look at Moses' response. This is hilarious. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then don't bring us up from here. 
Did you catch that? Moses is essentially saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I asked for your presence and you're telling me that, yes, I'll go with you. But Moses is like, wait a minute, listen, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't even want to go anywhere. Like, if you don't go, I'm not going. Like, if you don't bring your presence with us, God, hold on a second. Like, like I'm, I, don't even do anything, right? Look, he says, don't even, do not even bring us up from here. You see what I'm saying? Moses was so committed to the person of God that he wasn't happy with just a little dose of his presence, right? How many of us just want, I mean, I don't know. I, I know personally, like my experience, right? Dark times, I wanted a dose of his presence, right? That'll kind of fill me up and top me off. This was leading up to my big, my big moment with the Lord. I would go to church because honestly, because I was depressed at home, I didn't want to go home and I would go to church because it made me feel good. I didn't know a lot, but I just knew that I could feel the presence of God and it like topped up my tank, right? I don't know how many of you have felt that, but I know I have felt that where you go to church and you're like, you know what? I'm not sure I understand everything, but something about it just feels good. It brings light to my darkness. I was there for a long time. I hear you. It's crazy. You just show up and you're like, I don't know what it is, but I feel good. Well, Moses was, was taking us beyond that. He was taking us to a place where he's like, Lord, if your presence isn't with me continually, I don't even want to be on this journey. Like, like I'm not even going to go anywhere without you. You see the difference? And then he goes on, and some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with this scripture. Moses goes on to ask some really bold questions. He says, please show me your glory. Then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. This is verse 19 of Exodus 33. I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will be, have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And so, as you know the story, God does show Moses' glory. God hides Moses in a cleft of a rock, and the, the Lord himself passes by in a physical form, and yet he doesn't let Moses see his face, but he lets him see his backside, right? Kind of interesting. But literally, and Josh, you've talked about this many times, where it's like if, if our physical bodies were to see the face of God in physical, natural form, it would just melt us. Like our natural, it's not that he would kill us, it's just that our physical form is not prepared to handle that much glory. And so that's what God was doing. He's like, hey, I can show you like the glory on the backside here, but you can't see my face. It's just, it's just gonna be too much for you. What I'm, what I'm getting at is, is we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about, again, this presence of God and this idea of stewarding and spending time in the presence of God. It's not just a feeling only, it's not just a goosebump. I mean, I know many of us have had a very awesome experience with the Lord, tangibly a goosebump, but there's more to that. There's more to his presence, walking with him as a friend. And that leads to, this, this desire to be in the word every day, this desire to do all this stuff, this, this desire to walk out the discipline. For many years, honestly, the only time that I can have time with the Lord, the only time that it works for me is to get up at 4.30 in the morning. And the only way I can go, get, get up at 4.30 in the morning is by going to bed in the eights. Praise the Lord. I'm an early bird. I love it. I love going to bed early. I love, I love waking up early. But honestly, I got, there's too much stuff going on in my life. There's too many noises in the morning. Like if I'm up at 4.30 in the morning, I'm not getting my quiet time with the Lord. And that's just, it's hard, but I, I do it. And I don't do it because, you know, I'm chucking a box. I do it because there's something inside of me that has to live with that presence. I have got to have his presence. I need it. It sustains me. I cannot go a single day. Like Moses was saying, I can't go anywhere without the presence. I don't want to go anywhere without the presence of God. Now, you understand what I mean when I say go without the presence of God. He is everywhere physically. God is omnipresent. Like he's, if I go over here, I'm not going to like not be near him, right? You know what I'm saying with that? But when I say the presence of God, I mean you're walking with more of an awareness of who he is and his nature than you are an awareness of everything else around you. Right? 
Because you can walk through this thing, this whole world, you can walk through and have an awareness of everything that's happening around you and that can trump your, your relationship with God. Even though you have that relationship, it can trump it in your mind, right? It can take precedent in your mind, all the stuff around you, all the noise. In engineering, we call that signal to noise ratio, right? I had to throw something out there. <laughs> I can't get away from it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm at Cal Poly right now. I'm in my fourth year um, in aerospace engineering. I'm gonna finish my master's program there next year. So anyways, engineering. Yeah, it's awesome. So, okay, signal to noise ratio. So basically what that means is that you, you have a signal, like, like this is for telescopes or pictures or whatever you wanna call it. You want signal to come through, but there's too much noise. And so you gotta process that data so that you can get higher signal to noise ratio. And so you want less noise, more signal. And so what happens in our daily lives is that we have so much noise around us and there's nothing you can do about it. You just live in the world. There's so much noise if you're not careful and if you're not intentional, and this is where we're going today, if you're not careful and intentional about spending your time with the Lord, about seeking him, about preparing your heart, we're gonna, do, we're gonna see what the Bible says about what does it mean to prepare your heart to seek the Lord. If you're not doing these things actively, the noise around you is gonna drown out the signal. And it's like when you have a radio, you guys remember radios, right? You still have radios? You remember you, like, like when we were kids, right? We don't have it anymore, you have computers. But you have a dial, right? And you turn the dial and it's on the FM or the AM, and you're basically tuning that radio to the resonant frequency of that radio broadcast. And when you get them lined up, you can hear what's coming through, but otherwise it's just a bunch of noise. It's the same thing with hearing God's voice, exactly the same thing. We can tune our ears spiritually to hear what he's saying. All we gotta do is, is make a concerted effort. And yes, there is some effort on our end. And I'm gonna show you what the Bible says about that. And I'm excited about this. Obviously, hopefully you can see that I'm excited because this has changed my life. Hearing God's voice, he's the almighty creator of the universe and he would even bother to talk to me and tell me what's coming. Like, this is crazy. So, all oh, that's really good. I wanna, um, I wanna just share with you really quick about, um, I have this in my notes here. And you, you might think this is funny, but I wanna share what, what, my reasoning behind picking, um, we, we, have a, we have a nonprofit organization called Kainos Global. And I wanted to share with you the, the stipulations I have for choosing my board members. Interesting. Why did I think of this? I have no idea. Listen to this. Number one, I want them to be walking in deep friendship and communion with Jesus. This is, this is a list of things that I look at for my board members. Number two, baptizing the Holy Spirit with manifest exhibition of his power in their life. Number three, passionate for seeing the lost saved. And number four, a demonstrated ability to turn dreams into, into reality. The point is, is I don't want people representing me that don't know Jesus intimately. Okay, I know maybe that sounds kind of harsh, but think about it this way. I I want people who are representing me to be walking. They don't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm saying I want people representing me because I want to represent God this way as someone who is a friend of God. Okay? And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I believe that's how God is with us. I believe when we go out and we want to see the lost saved, we want to go out on these mission trips and all this stuff, it's one thing to go on a mission trip or to try to minister to your coworker or whatever out of a place of religion or out of a place of discipline or out of a place of like doing it the way that you're told to do it versus doing it out of a place of something you've experienced yourself. Does that make sense? Did you guys, yes. you got that? Okay. I was, I was making a point with, if it's important to me for my board, it must, you know, like, and I'm, I'm this big, I know it's important to God. Like I, I really want us as a church, I want us as a people, not big, big capital C church, not just the Los Osos church, but I'm talking the church at large. I mean, my heart is to see the church at large grow in such a passionate relationship with Jesus that when we go out, we go out and it bubbles out of us. It doesn't come as a program. It's like we're, we're ministering the love and the power of Jesus from a place of people who have learned how to walk in his presence, right? 
And so we're in Exodus chapter 33. We're going to jump there a couple times, but I do want to go over to Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. What is the cause of this? Why aren't we, you know, Justin, if you're talking about all this stuff and, and you're talking about the presence, what's one reason why, um, why it's not happening, right? Do we, we don't always see this, right? And I've asked myself, well, why am I not walking in the presence right now? Well, here's one reason why. Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. This is called the parable of the sower. And so basically, I'll, I'll just summarize it. Jesus is telling a parable. So he's telling a story and he's using allegory and he's using it in a, you know, a, a society that understands farm language, right? Because they all, most of them are farmers. And so he's using this language and he says, behold, uh, this is in Mark chapter four and verse three. He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and it was scorched, and because it had no root in it, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then if you go on, Jesus will explain this mystery uh, in the following verses. And he says, uh, let's start about in verse 14 of Mark chapter four. And he explains it. He says, the sower sows the word. What is the word? The word of God. It's the word of God. Before I get into this, I want to do a quick, quick uh, study in, in the Greek language. So the New Testament was written in the, in the Greek language and the Old Testament in the Hebrew. And so when you look at all these modern translations that are in the English, it's because they were based upon the original texts in the Greek and the Hebrew, hopefully. In the Greek language, we have two major words that were used for the word, word, right? I'm trying to keep it separated here. So the word, word, W-R-D, W-O-R-D, rather, was used uh, for two, two, two Greek sources, the word logos and the word rhema. Logos versus rhema. And in the English translations, you're probably not going to ever be able to tell this. Most translations, I, I've only seen a couple that even bring this out, but most translations just use W-O-R-D, word. And, um, and so, but, but, you, but you have to go back to the Greek to see which one is being used because it's very different. Um, one example of this is in Ephesians chapter six, when he's talking about the armor of God. And at the very end, the sixth one, he says, the word of God, praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. One of the pieces of armor is the word of God. The word sword is the word makaira. And makaira is in the Greek, it's actually a short sword. It's not a big, long, broad sword. It's a very short sword, okay? And, and the Romans would use these short swords to pierce. They would, they would jab at their enemies like this. They wouldn't do these big slashing motions, right? In fact, one of the generals um, where we get this information from of the Roman army, he says that they made fun of other uh, nations that they would do battle with for using the long broadsword because they would do these big swirling motions, you know, like Lord of the Rings or whatever, chopping heads off and they'd try to do all this stuff. And the Romans were like, you know, they would just do a quick jab and they'd take their enemies out. It was much more effective to do a quick calculated jab, okay? So the Machaira sword is what we're talking about with it when it says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Now that word, word, is not the word logos, it's the word rhema. And so what's important about that is logos would be descriptive of the entire Bible itself. Jesus is the word, logos. In John chapter one, we see the word logos show up twice. Jesus is the word. So Jesus himself is the full encapsulation of the Bible, of the written word of God, okay? You with me? Everybody with me? Logos? Okay. Logos, it's like, this, it's like the big sweeping broadsword thing. It's just this idea of a big sword. But rhema is a specific 
quickened word. If you look it up in the Greek, again, the word rhema means specific word, very, very specific, very focused, very calculated word from God, R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And the fact that he connects the word rhema in Ephesians chapter six to the Machaira sword is not by accident, right? The Machaira sword is quick, calculated, a little jab here, right? And in the same way, the rhema word of God, which is the spoken or the quickened word of God, or you could say the word of God that was given to you by the Holy Spirit in a certain time, is the right word for is the right word for that season is the right weapon for your season, and so I'm I'm what I'm what I'm saying here is that the word of God has has two forms when you read about it in the Bible it has the logos which is the sweeping thing or the or the or the rhema which is the machaira which is the the short sword, and so when we're talking about the parable of the sower, we're talking about the logos <laughs> the word of God the scripture the whole entire word of God but I believe it also can apply to the rhema and what I mean what do I mean by that I mean when we receive a word from God, when we're hearing his voice, when we receive a word from God, we need to learn how to steward it, okay? Um, and that's what he's talking about here. The sower sows the word. And so today I'm, I'm teaching you from the Bible. I'm reading the Bible to you. I'm hoping that you're looking at the Bible yourselves, that you're letting the word of God come into you right now and it's changing you because the Holy Spirit does that. He changes our hearts. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. How many of you ever heard or received a word from God and you've received it with gladness? I have. I'm sure if you ever have, you you receive it with gladness. His word is always good to us. But look at this. And they have no root in themselves, and they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You see, Satan is against the word of God. He would rather have us be ignorant to the word of God. He would rather have us be enveloped in all the noise around us than to be focused on the word of God because the word of God is what brings transformation. The word of God is what brings us victory. That Machaira sword that he speaks to us in that season is exactly what we need to jab the enemy out of the way. It's exactly what we need in every situation. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what situation you're facing in this moment, there is a word from God for you. It's a Machaira. It's a rhema. It's something that is exactly, the Holy Spirit has it for you in this moment. And he's saying, I have the right weapon for you in this season. You're, you're, you're looking at all these other options to solve your problems. I have the answer for you. It's right here. It's right here. And he's the only one who knows what it is. I can't tell you what it is. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't work. The, the Machaira that worked last season, the sword, the, the Rama that worked last season isn't always going to work this season. I've, I figured it out the hard way, right? I'm sure a lot of us have. Like you, you have a word from God. It changes your life. And you're like, ha ha, I've got it figured out. It worked. I've got the scripture. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to use that one. And then you try to use your scripture in the next season and it doesn't work. You face sickness in your body and you're like, I'm, I've done this before. I've faced sickness before. I've been healed by the, you know, by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed, right? I, let's use that one. That one worked before. You try it in this season, nothing happens. You're like, wait a minute, Lord, you don't change. What, what changed? The, the scripture didn't change. I'm using the same scripture that I used last time and it worked last time. Why isn't it working now? How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a living, breathing relationship with the word of God. And there's a relational aspect to who God is. He's so big and he's got so many colors and sides to him. It wouldn't do us any justice if he were to give us one word, one time and have it work for everything. No, it's a living, breathing relationship with him and hearing and receiving his word on a continual basis, feeding our spirits on a continual basis ensures that we're able 
to face any issue that comes against us with victory because he's the one who knows the right word for the right battle, okay? Praise the Lord. That wasn't in my notes. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns, verse 18. They are the ones who hear the word. This is what I was getting at this whole time, believe it or not. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So wait a minute, if the word of God becomes unfruitful, that's weird. I thought the word of God was powerful, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Hebrews chapter four. I thought, the, I thought the word of God was powerful. I thought the word of God could never be, bro- be broken. I thought it was invincible. No, it says the word of God can become unfruitful. How does the word of God become unfruitful? Isn't that weird? Have you thought about that? So when a person receives the word of God into their heart, just like this, this parable of the sower, it comes into our hearts as soft and fertile soil. We receive it. Yay, gladness. And then we go out and... If we don't cultivate that seed and we don't water that seed and nurture that seed, the noise around us is going to distract us from that word and it's going to stunt the growth of that word. It's never gonna grow. It's going to become unfruitful. The word of God is perfect and amazing, but it only works when it's sown into a heart that is going to cultivate and extract the power that's in that word. It's like, Literally, it's like sowing a seed. That's why Jesus uses this simple example. I, that's nice. I, I can understand simple, I think. Praise the Lord. You, you, you throw a seed in there, you water it, you give it sunlight, you give it the right nutrients, and I, I don't know how it does it. Nobody, know, I mean, nobody knows how it does it, honestly. We think we're so smart with science and engineering, but nobody can make a seed. Nobody's done it yet. You can't make it. You can try, but you can't reproduce a seed. No one's ever been able to do that yet, right? There's actually more complexity in a single seed than anything we've ever designed as humans in our, like, in our entire existence. Like the, the ecosystem of a seed is ridiculous. The fact that it reproduces and DNA codes and all the crazy stuff, seriously, it's nuts, right? It's crazy. So God makes it like this. So it works. We don't know. The Bible even talks about it. We don't know how it works, but it works. I don't know how the word of God does it. I don't know the mechanics behind it, but I know it works. I know that when I spend time with him and I receive a word and I'm in the Bible, and I find that Makaira, oh, wow, I got it. Like I found it. Oh, cool, I'm reading the Bible and like this jumps out of the page. Oh my goodness, what is this? I've never, you know, I've never seen it like this before. I stay on it and I meditate on it and I, and I just think about it and I look at it and I study it and I ask the Lord, what does this mean? What are you saying to me? And I, and I stay in that word and it does something in my heart. I don't know. It just does something. Here's an example. So I told you I was gonna get personal. So so, um, so I did a, I did a podcast recently with um, a lady named uh, Susan Eckhoff, and um, she's absolutely amazing. And one of the things we talked about that really blew my mind, and you can hear it on the podcast, I'm like processing it in real time with her, is this idea of asking the Lord for a birthday gift. It was it was news to me. I'd never thought of that before, like asking the Lord for a birthday gift on my birthday. And so then I realized I'm like, okay, so like when I'm thinking about this, the first thing that comes to my mind to be perfectly frank with you guys, is a, um, a cherry red Ducati 1098S <laughs> with Trimignone exhaust Marchesini wheels. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Adam. Oh, I'm telling you guys, I'm gonna get one someday. I'm gonna get one, it's awesome. But like, you know, I, I think of all like the cool stuff that I want in my garage, right? And then I started thinking, I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, that's, that's fine. I know God wants to give me cool stuff. Like that's, I'm okay with that. But it just didn't sit right in my spirit. So I'm like, what, what's going on here? And then you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, 
you need to ask what to ask for. I'm like, what? How does that work? And so then I started this journey of like, and it, sound, it sounded kind of funny, but it made total sense in the, in the spirit, right? It made sense to me. It's like, I need to ask him what I should be asking for before I ask for it. What? Well, let me tell you, that pattern works. <laughs> wow. If you ask him what you should be asking for, he'll show you what you, could, you should be asking for in alignment with his word. And then when you ask him the thing that he told you to ask for, you're going to get it and you're not going to be surprised when you get it. I basically asked, I, I, I heard from the Holy Spirit about what to ask for. I asked for months. It took me months to figure this out. Finally asked him for some spe- specific aspects of my relationship with my kids, with, with how, I'm, how I'm treating Caleb, basically. Like I, there was a, an area of that where I was like, I don't like that. I don't like how I'm treating him, you know, in this one area, like expectation, you know, stuff like that. And so I was like, that's it. I found it. That's what I want. And so in my journal, I'm like, that's, I finally found it. And I, man, I was excited. I was like, I finally found what to ask for. I didn't even receive it yet, but I'm already stoked that I've figured out what to ask for. And so I asked for it. And my birthday comes around this year, just a few weeks, months, no, it's a month ago, about a month ago, my birthday comes around and I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to, going to get it, you know? And I'm like, well, what is it going to look like? <laughs> what does this even look like? And so then like, it took me a few weeks after my birthday and I'm looking back in the rearview mirror and I'm like, wait a minute, me and Caleb have had some really good days lately. Like, I haven't, you know, said anything like whatever. Like, you know, I was kind of having some unrealistic expectations with him is what I was doing. And I'm like, that hasn't happened in a while. And I'm just like thinking about it in retrospect. And I realize that it happened. I got my gift, but it wasn't like, here, Justin, here's your gift. Have a nice day. It was like, he had been preparing my heart since the summertime to, to ask for the right thing and then to receive it and walk in it and then actually make it become a habit in my life, it's cultivating the word. This was cultivating the word of God because guess what he did? He didn't just drop it on me like a bomb. For those months leading up to this, I started randomly, it just came across, I couldn't get away from it. All these scriptures about parenting, all these scriptures about love, all these scriptures about patience, all these scriptures that they were all rhema words to me that were investing in my own heart, the things that needed to be dealt with that I had no idea needed to be dealt with. I didn't know the depth of what was causing, I didn't know the root of what was causing these issues, right? I had no idea. But the Holy Spirit knows. He's our helper and he's our guide. And so you think that you're looking at an issue on the surface, but you're looking at an iceberg, right? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't need to pop your balloon. You think your issue is this big, right? Nah, it goes miles. It goes way down. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> if anybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay, maybe a nerd got that. So it goes all the way down, but you and I are never gonna figure this out on our own. We're never gonna figure it out. There's no way that we can ever go down deep enough to figure out the issues that we have. Man, that's depressing, I better move on. So (laughs) that's good, right? It's good, it's real. Yeah, it's the word. The word of God will get in there and change it. It will root out in you the deepest, darkest things you didn't know existed and it will change you. And this provides the context for devotional, right? It's it's suddenly a joy to get up at 4.30 in the morning, right? Like it's it's a joy when I when I wake up and I hear my alarm and it's like all, all the noise tells me, what are you doing? But then my body says coffee and then, no wait, no, the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then you get up and I make my coffee and then I spend time with the Lord, why? Because there's a reason to do it. Like. 
it's just invigorating. There's the presence I'm, I've learned. And it's like, I've become this like addict. Like I can't not have the presence anymore. I can't not go a day without the presence. If I do, I'll have withdrawals, right? Like I'll literally have withdrawals without the presence. I have to have the presence. It's okay. So I've been doing a, a research over the last couple of years on the heart of God, because I asked myself a question once. I was like, you know what? People are always talking about the heart of God, this, the heart of God, that, here's the heart of God. And I'm like, who are you, who, what are you telling me about the heart of God? What do you know about the heart of God? You know what I'm saying? The heart of God is all this flowery stuff. I'm like, well, what does the Bible actually say about the heart of God? Right? I'm like, I'm gonna look into this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig this thing out. And so I did. And out of the roughly 700 and something times that the word heart is used, 33 of them only are in relation to God's heart directly. And you can make some like assumptions and you can make some connections about what God's heart is like, but I'm talking direct actual statements concerning the heart of God. And I want to share a couple of those with you today. So the very first mention of God's heart in scripture is in Genesis chapter six, verse six. Genesis chapter six, verse six, if you're taking notes. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. It's the very first revelation we have in the Bible of God's heart. And if you look into the, uh, the Hebrew behind it, it basically means that God's heart can be moved to grief to the point of feeling cut with pain and afflicted. Why? Well, we don't have time to go into this today, but Genesis 6 basically has, has to do with people choosing other gods instead of choosing the real God. They basically chose another way. They chose someone else. And this is our, our very first indication of God's heart is that he longs for us to know him personally and no one else as God. Here's something really cool that I discovered before I could do that. The second re uh, revelation concerning God's heart is in Genesis chapter eight, verse 21. And this says, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. I should let you know what that is. Noah had just gotten out of the ark with um, the animals and his family. And he, performed a sacrifice to give thanks to the Lord for saving him and his family from the flood. Okay. Noah's flood. And it says, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living thing as I have done. And so what I take out of that is that God actually, so, so it says he thinks it in his heart. And yet here we are as people reading about it. So somehow it got out of his heart in like God heartland to people reading revelation land. So what, I, what that tells me is that God actually desires that some of his thoughts of his heart would be manifest to us as people. So now we know that God actually wants us to understand something about his heart. Okay. So check this out. Um, you may recall, we, uh, we did a message. Uh, I think it was actually two years ago um, on on Shavuot, uh, I did it on Pentecost. I was, I was speaking about uh, Pentecost. And you may recall that um, in the book of Exodus, God himself reve reveals himself to Moses and he gives him his name for the first time, the word Yehovah or Jehovah or Yahweh, his proper name. And what he says is that he says, I was only known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, which means the almighty one. That's the only way I was known to them. But he says, but to you, I'm making myself known to you, my personal name, Yahweh. First time we see the word Yahweh. So now he's taking it from one area of like almighty God, I'm awesome, I'm amazing, which is what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob needed to hear because of that culture in that area. They needed that. That's the level of revelation that they had with God. But then to Moses, who was, step, who was leading his people Israel into a closer relationship with God through Mount Sinai. And we talked about the bride, the bridal paradigm and all this stuff with the Torah, the giving of the Torah and what it means on uh, giving the law to the people. This is an aspect of God that's coming closer. 
Okay, so think with me, follow the pattern with me. I, whenever I see stuff in, in scripture, I see patterns. I'm, I love patterns. And so, so we see this pattern, El Shaddai, the mighty one, he's big. And then next to Moses, Yahweh, Yehovah. Well, we stopped there last year, but I'm gonna take it two steps further. Think about this, this is actually new to me. Elijah, the name Elijah, he's the next guy to come on the scene. If, you, if, you, if you're looking at this chronologically, we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then we have Moses. And then after that, the next person, um, uh, I, I, should, I should say Elijah comes next chronologically, okay? There's other people, but I'm just saying Elijah comes next. Well, what does Elijah's name mean in the, in the Hebrew? So I, I looked it up. I was like, Elijah, that has God's name in it, Jah, right? Interesting. And it literally means my God is Jehovah. What does that mean? Well, think about what Elijah was doing at the time. His ministry was heavily focused on bringing the people of Israel back to the worship of Jehovah from Baal and Ashtoreth and all these other types of demonic entities, the people had given their hearts to another God. So Elijah's very name matches his ministry, which is, hey, my God, the one I'm serving, the El Shaddai that I'm serving, the mighty one that I'm serving, El, is Jehovah, Yahweh, the, the one true God, the God of the Bible. Let's take it one step further. Elisha was Elijah's uh, protege, right? Elisha followed Elijah. Elisha's name takes it one step further. It means God is salvation. God is salvation. So if you look at the progression, you see almighty God, mighty God, uh, El Shaddai. And you see one step more intimate, Yehovah. This is my personal name to you. And then now with Elijah, we have this idea of my God is Jehovah. So now he's making it personal again. He's like, look, you've gone off to the side, but I'm bringing you back to a true worship of Jehovah. I want you to think about it from God's point of view, right? Back up a little bit, get, get out here into, out of the time domain, right? Look back a little bit and say, what's God doing here? What's happening here? And then after he has this concept of bringing people back to Jehovah, God is salvation is the name Elisha. God is salvation. So now we don't even see the name of God, the almightiness, just made that up, of God. You see the personableness of God. Just salvation, what he does personally. And then the name of Jesus, right? Let's skip forward really far. The name of Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. So now he's combined the two. He's combined salvation and he's combined Jehovah. So now Jesus is his very name. And I'm just looking at the name. I'm not looking at anything else. The name Jehovah is salvation. And so I want you to get out of that is that he's progressively bringing us closer to a revelation of himself. The bottom line here because of time, I could go on for a long time on this one. But I'll make one more point and then we'll wrap it up. I do want you to turn to this scripture. This is the last one we're gonna to turn to. This is in Jeremiah chapter 29. And I, f I feel like you need to see this for yourself. So I really want you to turn to it. Many of us are familiar with 29 verse 11. This is Jeremiah the prophet is writing a letter to the people of Israel who are in Babylonian captivity, all right? So they need an encouraging word. So he's writing to this people who have been very stiff-necked towards the Lord, and it's this encouraging word. And we like to look at Jeremiah 29, 11, because it is a really good encouraging verse, and I, and I do believe it's absolutely great to look at this as an encouraging verse. But I want to take it a little further. I want to keep reading. Let's keep reading. Let's not just stop at 11. Verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, say, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Oh, praise God, I'm glad that's true. 
But let's not stop there. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and go to pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Interesting, right? So God's saying that he can be found. Isn't that amazing? Like, have, have you thought about that? That he can be found by us. He can actually be found. Like that blows my mind. And that's actually, apparently that's a big controversy. A lot of churches don't, don't believe that. A lot, of, a lot of people that, you know, say they love Jesus. They won't admit that you can find God. And they think he's unknowable and he's unfindable. He's out there somewhere. But right here, the Bible says that he will be found by us. God can be found by us. How do we find him? Well, search for him with all of our heart. Search for him with all of our heart. There's this concept in the Bible of preparing your heart to seek the Lord. And I don't have time to teach on the whole thing today, but essentially preparing your heart to seek the Lord is a theme we see in the Old Testament. In fact, there's this king in the Old Testament who was doing really well for a while following God and then, and then, the, and then he fell away and he totally disobeyed God's laws. And then the, the reason he fell away, the Bible says, is because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. And so there's something that we can do. We can prepare our heart to seek the Lord. That's something that we can do in a practical way to find him. You know, he talks about sharing his secrets with us. Well, Psalm chapter 25, verse 14, if you're taking notes, it says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he shows them his covenant. The secret of the Lord, the secret things of the Lord is with them that fear him. He, he shows us his secret things when we, when, we, when we find him. And so the whole idea is to prepare our hearts. And so I guess the bottom line to everything uh, I'm saying is that this is, an, this is an introduction. I'm trying to introduce us to the concept of devotions that God through his word, he's made it very apparent that he wants us to find him, that, he, that it's not just a, you know, hey guys, here I am, like I'm, I'm your God, you know, pray to me, worship me kind of thing, but it's like, hey, I'm a person and I wanna, I wanna know you. Like, I want you to know me. And he, and, he, and he gives us the prayers to pray. He gives us the ammunition we need, right? He's gonna give us every opportunity and he's gonna give us every ability that we need to, to get to know him. He's not just gonna say, come know me or, you know, come find me. And then he's like, yeah, but I'm kind of a noble. Like I'm out here in space. Like you can only know so much. No, he says we can find him. And so to me, that, that is insane to me because it shows me that there is an infinite depth to this ocean. There's literally no bottom that I can see. And I probably, and I never will see, I guarantee you in my, in my physical lifetime. That means that you can go as deep with the Lord as you want. Man, that's encouraging to me. That gets me fired up. You can go as deep as you want or you can go as shallow as you want. You can be a born again Christian and you can be as shallow as you want with the Lord. And you know what? You're going to be welcomed into heaven someday and you're going to be welcomed with open arms and praise God, you're going to be saved from hell and all that if you're born again and you've received Jesus. But you know what? You're missing out a lot on a lot if you don't plumb the depths that he has for us. And I'm saying that. I'm not saying that to hurt you. I'm trying to say that as a friend. I'm trying to give you the truth and love. You can have as much of God as you want or you can have as little of him as you want. And I believe that's one of the beautiful mysteries of, why, of the way God made us. So anyways, if I've said something today that's confusing you or it's too much, you can, um, Josh will sort it out. He's the, he's the pastor. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. You'll, he'll, he'll sort it all out for you. I've probably given you material to preach on for a month, so <clears throat> here we go. Share, share from my heart um, just kind of this idea of <clears throat> walking in friendship with God, right? You guys remember what David's nickname was? He was a man after God's own heart, right? 
Well, what do we notice about David? David wrote a lot of really intimate, kind of gory detail psalms. How many of us have ever written a psalm before? Did you know that that's actually a New Testament, um, I don't know if it's a command, but it's more of an encouragement. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritually songs. I wrote a psalm the other day. Why? Because when you're so full of the presence and you're just soaking in his presence and you've just got this, I don't know, how do you describe it? You've just got this fire. You've got it. You're just like, what do I do? Like with all this thankfulness and joy for who he is, I'm just soaking in the presence. You're going to explode. You can write that out in a psalm. You can write it out. It's totally fine. And I read, I have my notebook full of psalms and I read them and man, I get encouraged by them. And I look back at them later and I'm like, hey, that's pretty good. You know, I don't remember writing it honestly. Like I'm just like, I'm so in love with him and I just, so much devotion for him. I just write these Psalms out, you know, and, and it's just, it's awesome. And I, you know, encourage other people with them and all that. And, and people encourage me, of course, but a little different. I told you, right? It's all good. Here's the bottom line. Although God is speaking to us and he desires to share his secrets with us, we don't often hear his whispers because of low signal to noise ratio. Now you all know what that means. Cultivating a lifestyle, listen to this. Cultivating a lifestyle of hearing God's voice is intricately tied to developing a lifestyle of spending time in his presence, preparing our heart to seek him and walking in true humility. True humility is summed up in an easy phrase. There's one God and I'm not him. It's easy, right? You're not diminishing your own stuff. You're not lowering yourself. You're just literally saying, look, I'm, I'm not God, you know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do cool things, but it's only through Christ that I can do anything amazing at all. It's literally through his power. I can't do anything on my own. And so I wanna, I wanna create an opportunity today. <clears throat> um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna offer a couple things to pray with you about, but I also want to open up the front today, as in this area right here, for anybody who is stirred up and you wanna take a moment to pra- put into practice what we're talking about today. Okay, um, I remember... A couple years ago, it's funny, I was leading a Bible study actually, and I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to start the Bible study off with nothing, with silence for 10 minutes. And I was like, hey, we're just gonna soak in the presence of the Lord and we're just gonna be silent. And we did it and like, it was five or six guys and it was just silent. And I remember at the end of that time, when my timer went off, one guy looked at me and he's like, I haven't done that in probably 20 years. Can you imagine that? When was the last time you were quiet before the Lord? For real. I know, I'm, serious. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. And so I wanna give us an opportunity. If, if something today has stirred you up, uh, we've, we've got prayer ministers. Hey, um, prayer team, why don't you come up right now? This is a good time to come up. We've got people up here that can pray for you or if you just want like your own quiet space, I encourage you to just hang out in your chair if you want. Um, I just wanna give you an opportunity. You don't have to take it, but I just remember times when I hear a message like this and my heart is stirred up, man, I wanna act on it. Like I wanna do something about it. And when you act and you, when you put your faith to that, um, it's really taking the first step towards sowing that seed and, and cultivating that seed. So I think we're gonna have some chairs up here that might be a good place to come sit and kind of have quiet time. Um, if you're gonna leave and you're gonna um, talk, I just ask that maybe you do that out in the foyer in the coffee area in case there's some people up here kind of trying to have a, have a moment with the Lord, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited. I hope that blessed you. hope that encourages you. <clears throat> and... I'm just thankful that our God is personal and that it really is so simple sometimes. We, we make it so complicated. Like we're all in our heads because we all think we're so smart. But, and honestly, 
in all, in all honesty, like just getting quiet and getting alone in the presence of God and letting him speak to you and letting him minister to you from his word can, can do what 20 years of therapy could never do. I'm not against therapy. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you right now, we know the great physician, okay? So if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I also encourage you to come up front and I'll pray with you or one of, the, one of these ladies will pray with you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna um, lead you to Jesus. We wanna just share with you why it's important to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's really easy, ABC. He makes it easy as ABC. A, admit that you need Jesus, that's easy. Everybody needs Jesus. B, believe in your heart that he died on the cross and rose again. That's also easy to believe because the Bible says so, but extra biblical accounts and all this stuff, this history, there's all sorts of evidence that he did rise again and he appeared to over 500 people, you know? It happened, he did it. So, and then C, ABC, confess. What do you confess, all your sins? No, that would take too long. And you'd probably forget a few. <laughs> I know I would. No, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus as Lord of your life. And that's all it is. The Bible says you can just receive Jesus right now. So if that's you, I encourage you to come forward, have someone pray with you. If you just want a touch from the Lord, I think I really do feel, you know, his presence. I know in prayer time before service, we really felt his presence. I, I know he's here today. He wants to, I don't know, change your heart, you know? That's what was on my heart today. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppablepodcast.org. Find out what we're doing in Kenya with our nonprofit organization, Kainos Global, at kainosglobal.org. Get involved by checking out our open volunteer positions and ways to support us financially. Please like and subscribe to the Unstoppable Podcast on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube so that more people can hear this teaching. We hope today's episode has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.